Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis and psychedelics industries forward. This week, Ann and Nick are back with a new episode with guest Steve Gutterman, Chief Executive Officer at Falcon Brands, a California-based house of brands that combined street cred and proprietary technology to develop some of the most beloved brands in the state. Having built Falcon into one of the top 10 brands in California, Steve has expanded on a two-decade track record of building businesses and leading high-growth corporations in heavily regulated industries. In this episode, we talk with Steve about the philosophy behind Falcon's House of Brands and how that thinking differentiates the business from others in the space. Steve also expands on the evolving California markets, what's coming down the pike for Falcon, and Steve's predictions for how the cannabis industry will evolve across the rest of the year. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Steve Gutterman of Falcon Brands. Steve Gutterman is the CEO of Falcon Brands. Um, We're so excited to have you here today. So not only are you a guest, but you're a client, which is always fun. Um, So tell us a little bit about your own personal cannabis journey before we get into into what Falcon does. Sure. And thank you for having me, Anne. A pleasure. So uh, for me, it's been an interesting journey. I was in online financial services in the late 90s and early 2000s. And uh, it was a time of incredible growth and really this this sense of optimism and and passion because we were creating and we were creating a whole new industry. And so um, after online financial services for me, uh, I was in private equity and then I was in market research. And about four and a half years ago, I looked and I saw cannabis and I thought, wow, this is really the first time since those late 90s, early 2000s, where I felt like there was an industry to be created right in front of us. And this industry, cannabis, is going, as you know, from zero to 10, 20, 50 billion dollars of legalized revenue in just a handful of years. And and then let's hit on, you know, what was your personal, you know, connection with cannabis before before that? Um, Had you like ever dabbled in it or was it something that you were interested (laughs) in beforehand? And then you you saw this industry popping up and it's like, ooh, now's my chance to jump in. Well, I'll tell you the truth. I, I dabbled a little in high school, a little in college, periodically. I'm kind of a lightweight. But here's the here's the funny little secret. I really just got into the industry because I was excited about the growth potential and about discovering the undiscovered country. But it's interesting. You can't be in this industry for a long time without really starting to understand the power of the plant. And so 
I've become an accidental advocate for, if you will, for, for cannabis, because I, I'm a believer now, right? I've seen it. I've seen people with epilepsy who uh, don't, don't have the same symptoms. And I've seen people that have anxiety who all of a sudden, you know, cannabis has been a wonderful thing for them. Or even my mom, who is not a real big cannabis user, who now uses a tincture occasionally to go to sleep. And so if uh, if I came here just because I thought the, um, the the opportunity in the market was interesting, which by the way, it is, and that's true, uh, along the way, I, I also started to understand the, the power of the plant. We just had a conversation um, with uh, another guest who came from the restaurant industry. Um, and we kind of were saying that there's this interesting parallel between you have to be really passionate to be in the restaurant industry and you have to be really passionate to be in the cannabis industry because it's such a highly regulated, volatile, knocks you down. You have to like at your core being, um, you know, have something that's that really speaks to you about the industry. And, and that's not the same with some of the other you know, companies or, or industries that we work in. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. Fight me. It's my podcast. Um, but how, um, you know, I know the Falcon story because you're my client, but um, talk about, you know, what you guys are doing and how important kind of the legacy side of the business is. Um, so first, take the first part of what Falcon is, and then we'll talk legacy. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of really interesting pieces to that that question the the first is you're absolutely right this is a difficult industry and it's more difficult than other industries because to be successful you need to do a lot of things really well you got to be a farmer and a manufacturer and a cpg expert and a brand expert and a distributor and a retailer and you got to understand how to operate within a highly regulated environment and you got to think about where your competition is and where it's going and so there's a lot more variables to control to have success than in other industries and so to do that you really need i think and we really believe at falcon you need this blend of authenticity, this OG street cred that people like you were saying, Ann, that have that have been in cannabis for 10, 15, 20 years, way before it was legal, that have just really are, are steeped in the industry. Uh, and and you got to combine that with a real world-class professionalism. And as you know, there's not a lot of cannabis companies that do that successfully. They are one or the other, but to have both in the same place and under the same roof is very, very rare. And I think that's been a real key to our success. And can you walk our, our listeners through like some of the brands that are within the Falcon brands, house of brands? Sure. Sure. Um, to, to start, what I would say is that Falcon is one of the largest operators in California. We have five brands and three that have consistently been in the top 10 year after year, uh, which is hard. It's hard to become one of the top selling brands in California because it's a very competitive state and it's even harder to, to stay there, right? And so we're, we're very gratified that customers have really 
come back again and again, day, week, month after month to, to buy our products. We have a full assortment. If you go into a dispensary, we really sell everything in the dispensary from the bottom to the top, from the left to the right, with the exception of gummies and beverages. And we don't do those right now. We, we will at some point probably get into edibles, not as keen on beverages. But so with those two exceptions, we really sell everything that you can smoke, that you can roll, that you can vape, you know, you, 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 you want it, we have it. Um, we have a variety of brands. Our absolute top of the line is called Grand Crew, um, which is just a, it's, it's kind of the highest variation of our top seller, which is Crew. Now, Crew is an interesting name. Uh, it's a double entendre. It means, on the one hand, hanging out with your crew. It's very social. And it also, uh, it's spelled C-R-U, and it comes from the French winemaking process. And it's not accidental that we call our most popular products crew, uh, not just because we think that they're, they're social products, they are, but also because we really put the same care in selecting the cannabis for crew that a vintner would use in selecting, um, selecting grapes. And then we've got uh, High Gardens, Littles, Jetpacks. These are a variety of other brands that really, like I said, kind of suit every mood, every style, every, every taste. Um, last thing I'll say is that generally when we look at brand development, we look at two things. We look at um, <clears throat> convenience and effect. And so we're always trying to optimize across our whole brand portfolio. How do we make these products as convenient for customers to buy, to keep, to use? And then how can we be very intentional and specific about the effects that, that uh, the products have on the customer? I want to go back to something you said at the beginning of that answer. Um, it was about, you know, customers coming back and and wanting to buy your products over and over again. We know that it's really difficult to um, market in, in the industry right now. There's a lot of federal regulations on that, and which for a house of brands can be, re I imagine, very difficult to build that consumer loyalty to, you know, keep coming back, especially with competitors bringing out new brands, wanting to try different products. What do you guys do that's unique that that builds that customer loyalty? You're right. It's very hard to market cannabis products because it's like marketing with both hands and one leg <laughs> tied behind your back, if that was even possible from a yoga-like standpoint. That sounds but painful. It yeah, it does, it does, that doesn't sound no. good, and that's what and that's what it's like. That's what it's like marketing in in, in cannabis. Um, <laughs> so we just focus on the basics, right? And first, it starts with product development, and we're developing products that um, we love, and we 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 would use, and that our friends would use, and we and, and that people who use a lot of products would use. And so you start with. The way that you deliver on a brand product or brand promise is you you have to kind of keep that same level of authenticity and passion uh, over time. You just got to keep developing and then refining better and better products. And then the second part of delivering on a brand promise is doing a hundred little things right, right? And so it's saying to a dispensary owner, 
we're going to get you a pallet of goods to your store at 10 a.m. on Thursday and then actually showing up at 9.58 on Thursday, which, by the way, maybe in the future, in five years, 10 years, that won't be a thing in the cannabis industry, but right now it's a thing. And so, so delivering on that brand promise, that brand promise is is A, developing authentic and great products, and then B, making sure you're doing all of the things that you have to do to get th those products into customers' hands. And so we can't do a lot of the traditional marketing, and therefore we rely on word of mouth. We have great references and referrals from bud tenders across the state who love and use our products. And uh, so for us, that's it. We just got to, we really focus on delivering the goods every day and every week. You guys built these brands um, and became, you know, you, you have these top brands, you know, especially um, Crew, Grand Crew. Um, and what's the third one? What am I missing? Crew, Grand Crew, and High Garden, Garden. Littles. Um, Littles. Um, but the but like those those top three, um, you know, were were very purpose built. Um, but no one had ever known kind of the company behind it. They were just they were these really great, really you know, top selling brands. Why is it important now that people that that you know you're kind of coming out of the shadow? No, that's not a, that's not a good way to put it. You're coming out as Falcon Brands, as this house of brands. So why is that important now? Well, to be clear, that's not necessarily important in continuing to sell our our brands. We we have to keep doing everything we've always done to to do that. The reason that we're making a little bit more of a splash uh, on a corporate level is that we're in growth mode, right? And so we have, we've built this incredible platform. We are in the nascent phases of being fully integrated. And when I say that, we have some cultivation capacity. We want to add a lot more. We have large manufacturing and production capacity, uh, capabilities. We have massive distribution, although we really only distribute our own products. Uh, we have a couple of retail stores and we will be opening more. And so for us, we've built this amazing platform and now it's time to grow. And so since it's time to grow, it's an appropriate time to introduce the company behind the brands. And you guys are, um, you're doubling down on California. Uh, you are, you are California, you know, born and bred from a, from a product and brand perspective. California is a really, really, really tough market. Um, why are you focusing on the state? Because California is a really, really <laughs> tough market. California Great, next question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, it is. You're right. It's it's very hard. It's also the largest cannabis market. It's got a rich history of cannabis use. It's a multi-billion-dollar market that will continue to grow. And as more black market activity shifts into legal activity, the market grows exponentially. And so, while it's a very difficult market for a lot of reasons, right? The competition, the black market, the regulations, all of those things. 
if you have been able to grow successfully and to and develop some scale like we have, I mean, we're one of the largest cannabis companies in the state. We generate over $100 million a year in revenue. We've done that for three years in a row. And so if you are one of the winners and you have that scale, it all of a sudden becomes actually kind of a good thing that it's a competitive market. That's the 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 fact that California is a highly regulated, highly competitive, very difficult market is a deterrent for those companies that are either really, really small and trying to get bigger or or for uh, MSOs who are looking at the state and saying, hmm, should we enter now? For us, we're like, hey, we're here. We've put a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of attention into developing our infrastructure. We have it. And now it's the time to reap the benefits of of all of that effort. Describing that, Steve, it really kind of reminds me of like in and out um, and that you guys are building this really, you know, intensely California brand that, you know, when people come to come to the state and visit, like the first thing they want to do off the plane is is get some in and out. And the first thing they want to do is go and get some of these Falcon brands. I'm in Arizona. So what I. I mean, I'm going to be in L.A. in a couple of weeks, but, you know, when can we start seeing or is it even on your guys' mind to like start going into these other recreational markets? Maybe not all the way to the East Coast, um, but, you know, you're you're close to Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Colorado. Are those um, on your horizon? Yeah, Nick, you're you're absolutely right. And we we are going to go into other states. And I think the in and out example is a great one because when we go into other states, we're hardly going to be the first California company that generates a lot of hype and enthusiasm around launches in in other states. I'm from Colorado. And I will tell you that when the first in and out burger opened up here, it was crazy. There were, (laughs) there were literally like five hour lines, six hour lines, which by the way, it's a good burger. I'm not sure it's a six hour no, line. No, good burger, not. Right. No. Right. At any rate, I, it's, it's interesting because when, um, a couple of years ago, when we thought that harvest was going to acquire Falcon, um, we did a test drive of a few Falcon products in Arizona and they sold incredibly well. And there were lines going out the door of the dispensary. And, you know, it is definitively true that in this industry, just like other industries, what sells and what works and what wins in California is going to work and sell and win in other states. So we're excited about doing that. Now, there is kind of an order of operations. First and foremost, there's so much opportunity here in California. We're one of the largest companies, and we still only have a couple of percent of market share. So there's there's still a lot of room to grow right here. Then after that, we will look to expand, probably not to Arizona right away, because what we'd really be looking for are states that are similar to California, right? Not the limited licensure states like Arizona or Illinois or Florida. Really, we're thinking more about Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, states that are geographically proximate and have similar characteristics to California, 
where winners win, losers lose. And if you've got a superior product, you should do okay. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, I know. Thanks. <laughs> but like I said, I'm going to be in you, California a couple of weeks. You'll just, you have, know? Uh, you'll just stock up when you're here. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, so to do all of that requires um, scale and capital and all of that, um, you know, infrastructure behind it. Um, you guys uh, have talked in the past about being um, very tech forward um, and, you know, uh, incorporating an uh, I was going to say animation, but how about automation, um, you know, <laughs> into, <laughs> I mean, you could include incorporate animation. Yeah. That could be kind of fun. Um, but, but talk specifically about, you know, how you guys are doing this and how you're staying kind of cutting edge and, and, you know, are there any, without spilling any secrets, um, what are the things you're doing to create these efficiencies that, that, you know, enable you to make money in this state? Yeah, it, it, it the, the answer is that at our core, we are a tech enabled CPG company. And that was a lot of words, but really what that means is we've got a bunch of people from CPG companies and from technology companies that have brought their expertise to bear on what we do. And we've spent a lot of money. We spent a lot of time and over $20 million developing our technology backbone. And that has enabled us to become more and more efficient every year. And so I told you we've generated about 100 million a year in revenue for the last three years. Three years ago, we lost money. Two years ago, we lost less money. Last year, we made money on the same on the same uh, revenue that on the same revenue, right? And we 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 did that because we've continued to uh, develop our technology backbone. And so what that means really is, if you ever go into one of our um, our manufacturing facilities, what you would see is an unbelievable amount of automation that really looks more like a cutting edge CPG company than potentially a cannabis company, right? We have machines that run the machines. We have automation where no one would really even think of automation. And that's enabled us to do more, better, faster, right? So an example of that is, um, in California, you have to be very specific on the stickering that you put on products. And unfortunately, what you have to put on the stickering changes all the time. And so it really is a pain in the butt process for most companies because you got to manually do and then potentially redo stickers and then you got to put them on the products. And it's just a really time consuming, inefficient process unless you are large enough like us to think about it and buy a bespoke stickering machine that automates the whole process. And so in addition to saving on FTE, it, it really saves on cycles. So everything we do, we think about how can we integrate our, our technology into that and how do we make our processes more efficient? I want to shift the conversation a little bit. You like you guys are a CPG company, so I want to I want to shift it towards consumer trends and what it is that you guys are seeing, um, you know, f from the market. Like, what are 
you know, Californians looking for when it comes to buying their products? Is there anything unique about what you guys are seeing in the market? And then on top of that, is there any trends that or things within the market that you're going to be trying to watch throughout 2022? Something that, you know, may, you know, steer the direction of where you guys are going to grow? Well, again, we really look at those two buckets, convenience and effect. And so we think about all of our products through that lens and how do we deliver those products to customers. In California, there's a couple of interesting trends. Uh, on, on flour, there are some customers that want really, really high-end, interesting, exotic strains. And then there's some people that just want really, really cheap wheat. Right. And then there's some people that want weed that will pack a huge bang for the buck. Right. So we're talking about things that are infused not only with terpenes, but with various other things to um, really pack a wallop. Right. And so you got to be able to address all of those segments in um, vapes. What we're seeing is that if you think about traditionally what a vape has done, it's to kind of deconstruct what's in the flower and then selectively put some of those ingredients back into the, the product. And I'm not sure that that replication ever really captured all of the cannabinoids or kind of exactly what you're getting when you're, when you're using flower. Now we've seen some real interesting, um, improvements and steps in that direction in kind of having a full spectrum um, vape or having terpenes or different cannabinoids, all of those things. So we continue to develop uh, products that A, are really convenient, B, have great effect, and then C, specifically on vapes, um, have, whether you're looking for like a real massive THC wallop, or you're looking for an interesting saucepan, which we've just rolled out, you know, we, we, we got to have it. As one of the biggest brands in the state and, um, you know, having Falcon as, as the backbone, um, of this company, you guys are, are, um, are making money, um, begs the question of, of what's the future like for you? Are you going to go public? Are you going to stay private? Um, any, any plans you want to talk about there? Well, look, we have this massive platform and we know that we will need to access the capital markets to grow. And most likely, if we're growing both organically and through M&A, we'd want to be able to use our stock as currency for some of that M&A, for some of that M&A. And so I can't give you a definitive answer on how we're going to to grow. We're looking at everything. Are we looking at going public? Absolutely, right? Now, what I would tell you is that sitting here on March 16th, the, market, the market's not in the best place <laughs> to do that, but um, we are, we're absolutely ready to go down that path uh, as the markets improve. And that is a very viable strategy for us to grow. Is it the one that we are ultimately going to take? We'll see. Right. We know we have this great platform. We know that we have a lot of ways that we can add onto it. And there are then a number of ways that we could capitalize the company and fund that growth. And so we're actively looking at, at all of those. 
Steve, I'm wondering what what has you most excited about Falcon Brands for for the rest of this year? It it seems like you guys have you know done a lot lot in the market, but is there any you know particular initiatives that are upcoming that that you're just really jazzed about? Yeah, there, there's a couple of things. The first is that we've continued to introduce great new products. Uh, we have a whole line of jetpack products called FJs, FJ1s and FJ3s that are infused pre-rolls that are phenomenal. We're introducing a whole variety of crew uh, vapes that are fantastic. So we're really excited to see the continued rollout and development of our, of our product suite. Um, as a company, we are uh, going to be adding more cultivation capacity. And that's going to be exciting for us because that'll give us even more flexibility and control over the way that we can deliver products to customers. So this is a, this is, this has been already a very, it's been an interesting year so far um, for the cannabis industry. For us, it's been a really good one right? because we've continued to grow. We've continued to build the portfolio. We've continued to, to, add more and more dispensaries onto our platform. And, and uh, so we're excited about the rest of the year. I mean, the fact that you guys have continued to grow in the middle of a, or I guess, hopefully we're on the tail end of a three-year pandemic. Um, but, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, China start to shut down. Omicron has kind of finally hit over there. Um, are you, are there any challenges with supply chain or shipping or anything that that is that you foresee um, happening that will speed bump you? Well, this is uh, another advantage to having done this for a long time and for being a larger company, right? So we are able to forecast a little bit in, in advance and think about things like hardware buys, right? And so generally speaking for us, we like to get most of our hardware buys done before Chinese New Year, for example, right? And so we're able to plan ahead. We're able to kind of think about when during the, the course of the year we're going to want to buy and how that's going to play out over the course of the year. So I think we're, we're okay. Um, how it's going to affect the broader market I don't know. I think it's it's going to depend on how how long a shutdown in in China would uh, you know how long it would be. Got it. Uh, you know, Steve, you've been really generous with your time. One one thing that I I love your perspective on is and it's something that we cover uh, with all of our guests is is what's an untold story within the industry that that you would like to see be told you know if you were going to open up the the denver post or the the los angeles times what's what's a story that you think is deserving of that a1 headline that's just not getting covered right now i think one of the stories that's been underreported for the industry you've seen it here and there but generally it's been a little underreported is how the pandemic actually transformed cannabis from a hodgepodge of legal things, medical here, recreational there, to generally accepted and recognized as an essential industry. And that was a really important step for, for the industry. I mean, it's 
when, when you say that the only things that can remain open are pharmacies, grocery stores, liquor stores, and dispensaries, that means we've come a really long way as, as an industry. And I think that um, what, what we also saw along those same lines is that cannabis usage in, in states where it is legal stayed the same or even went up during the pandemic. And so I think that by any measure, we've crossed the tipping point. And I think we always kind of, maybe not always, but we've known that for the past several years. But if we needed any definitive proof, what happened during the pandemic, I think gave us some, some really great ammunition. Any thoughts on, um, safe banking or descheduling, rescheduling, um, or are we, are we just like Lucy in the football? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe the sixth time is the charm. So I, I, look, I think that, I think a couple things, number one, federal, uh, legislation or decriminalization is going to come in phases, right? So it will be the passage of a safe act or the passage of a state's act or the passage of uh, incremental acts that make it easier for cannabis companies and for cannabis consumers to do what they do. Uh, eventually, I think that we will get to uh, full decriminalization, but who knows when, when that will be. Right. I mean, who knows even when these stages will happen, let alone full decriminalization. So for us, we don't spend a lot of time speculating on whether the SAFE Act passes this session, next session in 2024, if it's decriminalization in 2027, because for us, our job at hand is the same. And it's to keep delivering products to customers, keep building the cust, keep keep building the company, keep delivering on this brand promise, and thereby putting ourselves in a position so that when these things happen, either in stages or all at once, that we can take advantage of what will be an even more rip roaring market. Okay, last question: What's your favorite Falcon brand? I am super simple. So I like our crew disposable vapes. Um, they've got great flavors and they're just really nice. Awesome way to end. Steve Gutterman, CEO of Falcon Brands. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Our thanks to Steve Gutterman uh, and Falcon Brands. To keep up with Falcon in 2022, check them out at falconbrands.com or Instagram at Falcon Brands or on Twitter at TheFalconBrands. As always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, please find us on Twitter with the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. Um, and our, our social media team is doing some fun, interesting stuff on, on Instagram. So make sure to, to check out what they're doing and um, follow us. Uh, or feel free to drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. We love your feedback and guest ideas. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take, Shay, one take.
كذبه